If you would join me in your Bibles tonight and the book of Jeremiah, tonight the book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter number 17, if you would please, uh, we'll just have a good time in the Lord. Boy, we had a good service this morning, didn't we? Man, I'm, I'm even surprised some of you are back after this morning. That's wonderful. You must really love God. Either that or you're looking over some of the things I do. But it's so good to have you here tonight. And uh, we'll finish uh, this morning's message next week. Kind of got hung up a little bit today. In your Bible, if you would please, I want you to take a look at verse number one. We'll jump around a little bit. But tonight I want to talk to you about who are we fooling? I mean, just who do you think you're fooling? Well, now that I got your attention, I might all preach. The Bible says in verse 1 of your Bible, look at this. The Bible said, the sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with the point of a diamond. It is graven upon the table of their heart and upon the horns of your altar. Isn't it amazing that God's people's heart is so hard that he cannot engrave upon it with a normal writing instrument, but it must be graved by a iron and a diamond to get to the heart of God's people. I wonder if maybe America tonight needs an iron and a diamond to grave upon the heart of the average Christian. I preach. I weep. I pray. I fast. I preach. And many leave the same way they came. Our hearts have become hard in America. Not tender to the touch of God and not sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God any longer. Sometimes I question, the Bible says, that God would accomplish that which he sent his word to accomplish. And I say, Lord, when? I've been preaching to some of you folks uh, longer than old Shep's been around. And he's a full-grown dog tonight. It just seemed like the word don't do any good. Maybe you're fooling yourself. Just who do you think you're fooling? Please notice with me. Verse 5, thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusteth in man, maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart, there's that word again, whose heart departeth from the Lord. Verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. Who can know it? Oh man. 
That scares me. Then I read the next verse. And I get a lot of pleasure out of knowing. That the Lord searcheth the hearts and trieth the reins. Every, even to give every man according to his ways. And according to the fruit of his doings. Let's pray. Our Father tonight. We sure need your help. And I pray uh, for, a, for anointing. And not only on the speaker and on the word, but on the ear and the heart of those who listen. Lord, I, I pray this is just not another Sunday night. And it's 6.30 and it's time to go to church. Lord, I pray that this is an, a great opportunity for the Spirit of God to visit us this evening. And open our understandings and touch the very depths of our soul with the word of God. Lord, we need your touch tonight. This country is gospel hardened. No longer a reception of the sweet, sweet gospel of Christ. Lord, help us tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know anybody that likes to play tricks on people? If you just meet somebody that's breathing, they like to play tricks on folk. And I, I just, I know a lot of tricksters, you know, and they just play a lot of crazy, crazy, crazy tricks on folk. I used to know some preachers, old Dr. Jimmy Thorpe, down in Shreveport, Louisiana. We used to go deer hunting a lot. Up in Colorado, and a bunch of us would take off and go. And old Dr. Thorpe, he could eat anything that didn't fly, run, or jump faster than five miles an hour. We stopped at a chicken place up in North Texas, and I ordered three pieces. Somebody else ordered three pieces. The lady looked at Dr. Thorpe and said, You want three pieces? She said, No, ma'am, give me the whole chicken. He said he was in Europe one time, hadn't seen a hamburger in a while, stopped in England and ate 17 hamburgers. Stopped in uh, San Angelo, big Tex, got that 72-ounce steak. If you eat it in so length of the time, uh, you get it free. He said, I was coming back from Colorado one time and stopped in Dumas and had breakfast. Then I stopped down San Antonio, down, down in, uh, where did I say it was? Well, you know where I'm going. And he said, I tried to eat that 72-ounce steak right after I'd eat breakfast about 30 minutes earlier. He said, preacher, I got it all down except about three bites. And he said, I was pushing it down and it was coming back up. And he said, I was sitting at that table and I was determined to get all of that steak down, all them potatoes down, all that. And he said, I'd eat and I'd push and I'd eat and I'd push. He said, I had to pay for that stinking steak with three bites on my plate. He said, but I went back and I devoured that steak. Him and a preacher in town by the name of Johnny Ramsey years ago was called the Prince of Preachers. What a preacher he was. They deer hunted a lot together. Thorpe was going to play a trick on Ramsey. They got one of them cardboard deer. 
looked just like a deer. And they put a tape recorder under the front seat of the Jeep. They're going down the road. And Ramsey stops and says, Man, look what a deer. Off the road, out of season. Thorpe begins to throw lead at that thing. He'd shoot and it would not move. And Ramsey would say, shoot again, Jimmy. I think you missed him. Wham! And he'd shoot. And wham! And some of the things he was saying in between the shots was not ecclesiastically accepted. (laughs) And the longer he shot, the matter he got. And he shot a hole, a hot hole all in that thing. And finally, Oh, Jimmy caught on. He had no idea about the tape recorder. Christmas time, they have the big Rolling Hills Baptist Church camp meeting and year in preaching. Ramsey played that tape. <laughs> Thorpe swore he'd get even. So he stole Ramsey's American Express and invited all the preachers at the meeting to let's go buy a suit. (laughs) And Ramsey took them shopping. I'm sure that Dr. Thorpe said, surprise, surprise, surprise. Not wanting to be undone and overdead. Thorpe had a deer blind about 15 feet in the air. Climb up the ladder, lay your hands on the last step, pull yourself into the deer blind. Ramsey killed a rattlesnake. Thorpe weighs about two pounds less than a water buffalo. He is six foot tall in all directions. I can see it now. Early in the morning. While it is still dark, Ramsey lays that rattlesnake just inside the first step where that Thorpe is going to reach in and lay a hand lock on that snake. I don't know if you know it or not, but snakes still wiggle after they're dead if you grab them. It says that Thorpe climbed that ladder, laid a hand lock on that snake, yelled like a stuck Comanche and turned everything loose, and 15 feet he hit flat of his back. I doubt if he's up yet. <laughs> Do you know anybody likes to play jokes on anybody? One of the craziest things I've ever seen, I suppose, is I used to preach a lot of youth camps and had a lot of fun doing that. And I, if you want to get backslid, just go to youth camp. And I watched the folks up in North Carolina. I, I know many of you have seen this. 
But if you want to see the expression on a young man's face change, is they would put a funnel in his pants and put a dime on his forehead. The object of the game was to get that dime in that funnel. And he got his head in the air and he's looking all around trying to figure out where that funnel is. And somebody pours a pitcher of ice water down that funnel. He suddenly lose interest in the dime. I would not do that. But there are pranksters and idiots who likes to do that. Stores have become successful selling joke books and jokes on what to play on each other. But I'm afraid tonight, many of us are joking ourselves when it comes to this thing of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thinking probably tonight, James was right when he said that we deceive our own heart and our religion is vain. It's an amazing thing to me that folks are always bragging about. They know how they feel. They know what their heart is. They, they know their heart. When the, the Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And who can know it? I just think maybe it's possible tonight that maybe I need to throw a caution in the air. Maybe it would might be nice to remind us of what God's word says about our heart and about uh, our relationship with our Lord and with one another. Could it be possible tonight that our heart is deceiving us? I ask you tonight, could it be possible that when we pray, we dial the wrong number? Could it be tonight when we come to church, we walk into the doors of the house of God for the wrong reason? Could it be tonight that we just do it out of habit, out of, uh, out of ritual, and, and our singing is cold, and our, our heart is hard, and uh, our, our goal is not to walk closer to God. It's just burn up an hour and a half so we can get home to watch the ball game. Could it be tonight we're more interested in our wristwatch than we are the Word of God? Has anybody come up with an excuse lately just to miss church? Glad Jesus didn't come up with an excuse to miss Calvary. And I think tonight, I think I'm within scriptural bounds when I say, number one, many are fooling themselves when they say, I love the Lord. You say, not me. Why, you got chrome toenails? Something special about you tonight? I love the Lord. 
If you treated your wife like you do the Lord, would she cook for you tomorrow? I love the Lord. You didn't show up at home any more than you did at church. How long would you be welcome at home? I love the Lord. Jesus said to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, You honor me with your lips, but your heart, got it? Is far from me. Could it be possible tonight that the only joker you're fooling is the joker that you dressed when you came to church tonight? By the way, who are you fooling? Who am I fooling? A lot of difference between love and like. Well, I, Jim, I pay you. Would you say amen? Brian. Andrew. I'm not going to say anything to you. And amen get hard when we get old, don't they, man? Don't, don't go through life fooling yourself. Revelation chapter 2, Jesus writes to a church by the name of Ephesus. And he says, I know thy works. And I know your doctrine. And I know that you have not fainted even though you've gone through a lot of trials. And I am proud of you in these areas, but I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Sunday morning attenders only don't love Jesus. When we feel like it's a sacrifice to show up once a week, try that with your wife. Try that with your kids. Try that with the boss. If that dog won't hunt down where you work, why should it work in heaven? I'm just saying now, folk, don't go through life fooling yourself. I say to you tonight, the husband, bless your heart, that says to the family, I love you, but I don't ever show up and I don't bring any money home and I don't spend any time with the kids. That is not love. That's sin. I'm saying to you tonight, men who spend money on family while supporting an extra woman someplace, that's not love. That's sin. You fool yourself. And this is not love at all. I love you until the first argument, and then I'm going to tell you and threaten you with divorce. That's not love. You said for better or for worse. Now I know there's cases that uh, are, are exceptional. I know that. But dear God, just because she burnt your dinner ain't no reason for you to take off and get you a Jezebel someplace and fulfill your need. 
That's not love at all. I just think we ought to be extremely cautious that we don't go through life fooling ourselves. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Here in his love, not that he loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sin. Hereby shall all men know that ye are what? My disciples, if you do what? Love one another. I'm just saying tonight. You hanging out in Las Vegas or Billy Bob's or Slick Willie's. That ain't love. My Bible said abstain from all appearances of evil. Is that what it says? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. The Bible said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wickedness in high places. I'm just saying tonight, don't fool yourself in saying you love God when you're living like hell. I'm not preaching the next point. Afraid it'll go over kind of like a pregnant pole vaulter. Do you know anybody that might be fooling themselves? Oh, I love God with all my heart. Why don't you try 10%? That's a good place to start. (laughs) We don't want it all. God don't want it all. God just said, why don't you start with 10% if you love me? Why don't you just... Try three times a week. We'll get, we'll get that started. And we get a little soul winning going on and, and get a little service going on and uh, a little bit of uh, loving Jesus going on. I, I, I think maybe if we just start uh, a little at a time, we might uh, get up where God wants us to be. Can anybody say amen? A preacher in no place in the world said I ought to come to church three times a week. No, it said daily. <laughs> From house to house, they cease not to preach and teach Jesus Christ. Boy, that'd go over good, wouldn't it? In today's economy, every night, we have to go to church. Now, the difference is we think we have to. That crowd said we get to. Now, that's the difference. Are you listening to me? That's before they had all these schedules. And you know, the, you know they just didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they wasn't so... I don't understand how that we got so many automatic devices and have less time. I mean, everything we got is automatic. Except being a husband and wife. (laughs) That takes a little time. Amen. Don't get mad at me now. But do you really? Really, really? I mean, really, really. I'm talking about really, really. I mean, thick or thin, really, really. Hard or easy, 
really, really. Up or down, really, really. Mad or happy, really, really. Love God. Well, I guess we ought to go. But we're not going to. Don't fool yourself into saying and thinking that you love God if you don't. God's not interested in lip service. He's wanting the heart. He said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, all thy mind, all thy strength. Can anybody say amen? amen? Now, I'm not jumped out of the King James Bible yet. So I ought to have an amen every once in a while. Does anybody love the King James Bible? Amen. I said, do you love the King James Bible? Amen. That's all I've talked about tonight. And the amen's not like they ought to be tonight. I'm just saying. A lot of folk fooling themselves. A lot of folks are fooling themselves, number two. About sin. Now, I want you to know something. I hate snakes. Even if they are on the distinct list. And if it's the last one at my house, you can tell everybody who loves snakes, I'll kill that sucker if I can. There's one kind of snake, deadly. And I went out to my wife's chicken house yesterday to gather their eggs. And there was a 20-foot bow instructor laying in that nest. He was this big around. He put the scat on me quick. He didn't have to do that little tonguey deal. I just saw big spots laying in one nest. And I went to the house and got my gun. I hate snakes. Somebody said, it's not poison. Who gives a rip? They look slimy to me. They're untouchable to me. And I got Andrew's chipmunk 22. I stuck the gun in the nest about that far from his head and missed him. (laughs) I'm lying, I'm dying. He looked at me and said, what did you just do? It crawled out of the nest, started down the nest. I said, I got you now, because I got a scope on Andrew's chipmunk rifle. About as far as from here to that microphone right there. I missed that snake four times. But I did not give up. I got me a stick. 
to see how long was that stick. <laughs> it's hard to hit something with a stick this long. I commenced to beat on that snake and he began to gurgitate all the eggs. That sucker's done went neat. I'd hit him and an egg would fly. I hit him and an egg would fly. He tried to get through the wire. <laughs> he couldn't get through the wire because he had too many eggs in him. I was hitting that thing and finally he got through the wire and he left. <laughs> Unharmed, unhurt. So all the animal activists in the crowd can say, Amen. Preacher didn't kill a snake. But I put a sign up where he left. Next time it will be a shotgun. That snake can read, he's safe. If he can't, I'm telling you, he's dead in the water. They say, preacher, that snake couldn't hurt you. He did hurt me. Because I run into the door when I saw him leaving. And I'm sore all over because I hit that door several times as I'm trying to get out of the chicken house. Don't tell me that snake won't hurt you. (laughs) They'll make you hurt yourself. And some of God's people who say they love God have no earthly idea how deadly sin is. We have come to accept what we used to absolutely hate. We as children of God have become participants in that which we used to preach profoundly against. We used to know how to spell separation and knew the definition. But no longer because society is whitewashed. Sin. And she's not black anymore. She's gray. It's all a matter of revelance and revitality. It's just, it's just not nasty like it used to be. It's just a coiled up chicken snake that's not venomous. Take care of it. Be caution. Don't go too far. And you are fooling yourself if you think the devil will let you get away with sin. The Bible says, in Romans, says the commandment was written. Now listen, that sin might be exceedingly sinful. We quit reading this book, started watching our televisions, and listened to our contemporary crowd. And now sin is no longer exceedingly sinful. It's just a chicken snake coiled up in a nest that won't hurt you. But how do you know when that serpent exposes his head? His head's not shaped a little bit different 
than a chicken snake. And suddenly there's a sound of rattle going on. And all the time, you've been fooling yourself. Well, I don't mind my kid running around with that, that family there in church. That don't mean a dumb thing. Do you know bad kids come to church? Now what makes your kid any better than my kid? It's my kid. (laughs) To me, that makes it better. I'm responsible to God for my kid, not yours. And so I'll let them go for a night. No, don't let them go for a night. Don't let them go for an hour. Don't let them go for a minute. It only takes a pervert just a minute to ruin your kid. You say, are they perverts in the church? I didn't say that. Somebody else out there did. My question is, in relation to sin, why in God's name can't we learn from others? We read our Bible and we say we believe it. Have you ever heard of David? Have you ever heard of David? The Bible said this is written for our admonition in the latter days. And we read about David and his lust and he's king and he's do anything he wants to. Get away with it. Don't have to answer to anybody but God. Ask David, if you would please, the next time you're reading through the Samuels, ask him the next time if the sin is not terrible to pay. Ask him as he looks into the eyes of his dead baby. If one night fling with Bathsheba's worth all of it. Ask him, if you please, as he passes under uh, uh, and looks in the tree and see Absalom, his son, hanging by the locks of his hair. And listen to him as he cries out, Absalom, Absalom, my son, would God I die for thee? Ask him if maybe sin is worth it. You say, well, preacher, I I just had one beer. I just played a little blackjack. I just did this. Yeah, it's a first step to the next step. And it's all sin. And God does not laugh at sin. You say, well, preacher, I don't have any kids. God can't kill my kids. Why can't we learn? Why are we like a mouse? A couple of mices running around together. Whap! One of them falls in the trap. He wiggles. He struggles. And in mouse language, he said... It ain't worth it. And the other mouse sits there and looks at him as he wiggles and dies. And steps over two steps. And there's cheese in another trap. Why don't that mouse learn? Well, preacher, they're just mice. Really? Are you headed for the... Mousetrap? All because you think sin can't touch you and yours? Let me ask you. 
as the little mouse who's watched his compadre struggle to death inches closer to the to the to the to the cheese listen as the trap catches an ignorant mouse who didn't learn from other meese do you know any Baptist meese who's saying it won't bother me I can handle it kids why can't you look at one slobbering filthy Ignorant, drunk, and read the stats on all that alcohol has done, and all the money it cost, and all the deaths, and all the divorces, and all the broken homes, and all the kids living in a single parent at home. Why can't you look at that and the next time that little idiot offers you a beer, you don't hit him right in the mouth with both your fists? Why is it you've got to be another meese and stick your head in the trap because you want to be cool? If you look in the dictionary, you'll find that cool and stupid is not on the same page. Not spelt the same. Kids learn something from stupid people. Don't be stupid and walk around fooling yourselves. Look at all the little girls took a free ride in the back seat of some little egg-headed boy. Now their life is messed up. Always trying to take care of a baby. And kids don't make good parents. Why don't you kids learn something? I don't for the life of me. I don't know why. We're so stupid. I, I don't know. God must hit most of us in the head with a stupid stick. Hmm? I can't understand preachers. Great futures, great possibilities, great influence, powerhouses for God. And so stupid. Take women and girls in the office to counsel with them. I don't know any preacher smart enough to counsel me. And I certainly don't want any jokers counseling my kids. And I don't counsel. Because it's hard on my wife laying on her side with her nose underneath that door looking and seeing what's going on in my office. And I just love my wife too much to have her laying on her side with her nose hanging underneath the door to my toilet seeing who's in my office. And that's why that door's there. I don't counsel women. 
I ain't never had a baby. How can I counsel a woman? I used to go to seminars trying to think of the joker's name. Anyway, he'd give you that much material on how to handle a pregnant wife and a sucker ain't married. <laughs> Tell me about getting watermelon at 4 o'clock in the morning in December if you ain't never had a wife that's pregnant. Amen. They told me one time, uh, one of your kids needs counseling down at the public school. I said, no, they all do. But you're not going to do it. I said, I am my kid's counselor. I read one time, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. So my kids don't go to ungodly folks for counsel. All them jokers can tell you what's wrong with you. They just can't tell you how to fix it. And I can tell you how to fix it. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the key word is submission to the Holy Spirit of God and to the Word of God. So don't go through your life, please, uh, just fooling yourself. Why would our kids want to go to a rock concert if they saw one on television? Drugs, alcohol, nakedness, perversion, injury, and death. And we got Baptists taking your kids to a concert of Johnny Two-Shoes. You say, who's Johnny Two-Shoes? Have no idea. Why would you let your kids make a hero out of a little immature pervert who don't even know how to wear his britches? Well, it ain't hurting nothing. Well, tell me what it's helping. Maybe we're about to find out who's fooling who. I wonder why the advertisers don't show the other side of the advertisement. They need to show the other side. Back when I was just young, me and Noah was watching television together. And I saw running across the screen, big square-jawed, good-looking dude, sitting on a $5,000 saddle, mounted on probably a half-million-dollar quarter horse, had on probably a $500 Stetson hat and a sheepskin jacket, selling Marlboro. Now he's wiggling down under or quiggly down under. I changed brands immediately. I said, son, if I can drink one of them, smoke one of them wheelbarrows, 
I might get me a quarter horse. My jaw may square up automatically. I can look like Tom Selleck if I just start smoking Marlboro. Wonder why they don't show those folk I go to visit down at the hospital. That little trough around their neck. And they cough, and every time they cough, part of their intestines come out and land in the trough. How many folk do you think would buy, would want to smoke wheelbarrows if they showed them that trough? You think you're getting away with it? I was called just right up on the highway. One of our ladies is working for the fellow who owned the beer joint and the liquor store. Said, my boss is in the hospital. Would you go see him? He's lost. He needs to be saved. And I walked in the room and there's a male nurse in the room. And a giant of a man laying on the gurney. He had one arm tied. So he couldn't move his arm. Huge, huge stomach, swollen beyond any kind of comprehension. He was in a coma, slinging that right arm, cursing. And I said, What's wrong? They said, He's got cirrhosis of the liver. His liver could not filter that alcohol and now it's beginning to swell and walk around bragging about a beer belly that's not a belly idiot it's your liver swelling because God didn't make your liver to, to filter that deadly alcohol that is socially legally accepted Well, I just drink socially. Did you read the article in the bulletin today? Every drink kills a brain cell. Brain cells are not replenished. And neurosurgeons has opened the skull of alcoholics only to find an empty cavity of mush. And the next time you see a drunk and the next time you see one of our members socially drinking, pray for him because he's killing himself. Socially killing himself. I wonder, in closing, who are we fooling? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. He knows if we love him. He knows if all we're given is lip service. He knows if we're genuinely falling in love with God more every day. And willing and wanting to walk in his way and in his will. I'm just saying. 
Yes, some of you are fooling me. You got me hung up. You got me thinking you're walking on holy ground. You might even think you're walking there. But I know somebody we haven't got fooled. Just who do we think we're fooling? We're fooling ourselves many times when we say we love God. When we participate in legal, socially accepted sins, don't mean God has accepted it. Amen. You say, preacher, this is a Wednesday night sermon. Well, I'll do it again Wednesday night if you'll come. Many fool themselves, I'm done, when they say, I've got plenty of time to please God. I'm going to wait till my 401k is all fixed up. Wait till my retirement is in place. Now, I'm going to take care of this. Then, Lord, put her down. You can count on me when I get my crops laid by. And I get all my bills paid and I get everything going my way. Lord, you can count on me. Who are you trying to kid? Just who are you trying to kid? I mean, who are you fooling when you say that? Job said, is there not an appointed time to man on the earth? Man that is born of woman is of a few days. James said, your life is but a vapor. Appeareth a little while and it's gone. Up until just recently. When I went to the doctor, I never had to be concerned about my blood pressure. Now, it was just... It was just right where it's supposed to be. Folk could look at me and say, man, you've got perfect blood pressure. They said a few years ago that I had the heart of an 18-year-old. Well, I said, would you talk my body into agreeing? And that was no problem, blood pressure no problem. Well, just all of a sudden now, it's become a problem. Three days ago, my blood pressure was 212 over 184. Somebody said, you missed a good chance of having a stroke. 30 minutes later, it was 80 over 40. Son, am I having a ball? How'd you like to put that on a chart? Man is but a few days. You know not what a day may bring forth. The old saying here today, gone tomorrow. What makes you think 
you've got a lot of time to get in on this thing of doing what God wants you to do. Who said you? Who said you have a lot of time to get things straightened out between you and God? You say, well, I'm saved. Yeah, but is God satisfied? That, that's the problem. Now, that's the whole gamut now. Sure you say, but is God satisfied? God's the one pulling the strings. Has your heart become so hard that when the word of God is preached and the Holy Ghost of God tries to deal with your heart, he needs a chisel and a hammer just to write something on your heart? I'm concerned that when the invitation is given at our church, there's not more folks at our altar. I'm concerned that our tears now have dried. I'm concerned that we're time conscious and not God conscious. You say, preacher, you don't know what you're talking about. Now let me help you a little bit. It was ten virgins. They all dressed alike. They all looked alike. They all said they loved God. Can any can I have an amen? amen? There was ten of them and all of them looked the same. Ten of them all of them dressed the same. Ten of them all of them sang the same. Ten of them they all read the same. Ten of them was waiting on the same man. But five was wise. And five was foolish. Five said, I've got a lot of time. Five said, he'll wait on me. Five said, God wouldn't do that to me. Five is all mixed up and thought that they could control God. And God does not get controlled by anybody. And while five were foolish... Didn't think God would deal with their sin. Not them. Well, he hadn't come back yet, so why would he come back while we're watching the ball game? And guess what? While they lingered, he came. Now, why do you think God put that in the Bible? Preacher, I'm going to get around to it. But won't you do it tonight? Preacher, I've been meaning to sell out in that area. Why don't you just do it tonight? Preacher, there's just some areas I need to be obedient in. What's wrong with tonight? By the way, who do we think we're fooling? 